What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, this is the statement that rang around the football world. The commanders hired Bank of America Securities to consider potential transactions. Dan and Tanya Snyder and the commanders announced today that they have hired. I, I, Bofa is just not an ideal name. I think they need to consider a rebrand. Bofa Securities to consider potential transactions. The Snyders remain committed to the team, all of its employees and its countless fans to putting the best product on the field and continuing the work to set the gold standard for workplaces in the NFL. I, it's B of I A, this, just so you know. It's B of I A. Know, but it, I know it's B of A, I, but it looks like Bofa. Okay. Do you know what Bofa is? Well, no, I don't. No. I, I, I know what I'll B of A is. I'll, so you have another right, phrase, too? Look. You got all the phrases today. Bofa. Yeah. So it's one you can't say on air here? I think I can because they were saying it on Eisen's show yesterday. Which If they're saying it on anymore, Eisen's so. show, then what? We got to say it here. We can't let them out one-up us. Well, I'll just – I'll I'll tell you a story because it, it all linked together. Because PFT Commenter, who is a huge fan of the Commanders – came to my house six years ago to interview me. Now, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his name. I just knew he was this crazy guy that didn't said crazy things on Twitter, and his career has blossomed since then, and I love the guy. He's my Internet son, and we have a great relationship. He wanted to come to my house and interview me. It's like, this is my house. I don't have a workplace. I have a house. So you at least have to tell me your name. That's how I found out his name. I said, you're not coming to my house unless I know what your name is. Anyway, as he was interviewing, the last question for me is how do you feel about bofa uh, I got and i it. said i said what's bofa and his response was bofa d's nuts uh, yes that's the, gotcha that's so so when you see bofa you think so that's that's why i suggest a rebrand okay for, uh, <laughs> okay. for the, the commanders another another phrase that gets used by all the hip kids in their 20s apparently maybe yeah, you're your cool son, man maybe your son's aware of bofa too. i don't think he's there okay. yet <laughs> I sent that statement to somebody who knows intimately how the NFL sausage gets made, and the yeah. response was that what they're saying is, if we get our number, we're out. We're done. Wow. Once you hire wow. Bofa, 
securities or any <laughs> investment bank. I mean, what, what, what you're doing is you're hiring a broker to sell your house. That's what you're doing. Your, your house is listed. When you see that they have hired B of A securities, they have hired a realtor to sell the house. That's what they've done. They're trying to sell the house. Now, they don't have to sell the house. They can say, we don't like the price we're getting. They can take it off the market. But right now, the team is on the market, Chris. And that is significant. I mean, it really is, Mike. It's shocking. I mean, for the guy, you know, with like never and you know, it just seemed like he was hell bent on keeping this organization forever. Like never changing the name. Right. Like that. I, never. Well, yeah. We know what never means. Well, it, it just from Dan Snyder. It makes me wonder, like, you know, it, it, again, just conspiracy, Chris, and the fact that I work with you and my mind works out anyways to just go, what happened all of a sudden to have this change of heart? What is, you know, I want to say what, what were we talking about all this time with why the NFLs are scared of Daniel Snyder. Now I want to go, oh, what's Daniel Snyder afraid of that might come public here throughout some of these investigations and things? I, I don't, that, does it matter? I, I, yeah. Well, well, look, do you avoid some of this here like by selling it? It's, it's a great question. And yeah. it's a, a topic I'm going to address at PFT. Somebody in the know raised it with me yesterday afternoon. Hey, yeah. does the Mary Jo White investigation disappear? Right. Do we never hear anything about any of this stuff if the team gets sold? The transaction won't be done anytime soon, although we saw how quickly the Broncos sale happened. If you're motivated, if you find somebody that's ready to pay that price, and it's going to be at least $5 billion, if you find somebody that's ready to pay that, you get it done, you move on, and off you go. Maybe they do find a way to brush this under the rug. Maybe that is the motivation. But I think if you want to go conspiracy theory, this isn't a high-end conspiracy. What's the name of that JFK book that you read? Uh, why He Died, What's JFK the and the Unspeakable, Why He Died and Why right. It Mattered, right? Th- this, is, this, is, this is RFK and the Unbuildable. I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> gotcha. Because whoever buys this team yeah. is going to be given a sweetheart deal at the RFK Stadium site. And uh, they're going to happily welcome new owner to build a state-of-the-art facility where the team had its glory. Oh, uh, that would be awesome. And the alternative is nobody wants to work with Daniel Snyder. Nobody wants to work with him. You know, this lawyer was on PFTPM last week pushing this idea that there's this grand conspiracy smear campaign. There's, and I said, who's behind it? And I never got a straight answer. It may just be that everybody hates the guy, naturally and organically. It, there's no one reason or one person who's pulling the strings. Everybody hates him. Yeah. Nobody wants to deal with him. Mm-hmm. None of the politicians want to deal with him. He's the most unpopular figure in all of sports right now. No one wants to deal with him. You're not going to get your stadium anywhere. The only way a stadium's getting built is if you sell the team. And and the thinking is a new owner would get a great deal at the RFK site, build the stadium, and everything would be fine. And one of the crown jewel franchises of the NFL gets resurrected. Right. That's the, that's the explanation. It's not as, as fascinating as the idea that they're trying to cover stuff up again, but we already know they covered stuff up. They covered up the Beth Wilkinson investigation. So what a shock if they'd be trying to cover up this one. But the real one, with I think the information and the evidence and the facts that would have caused a significant problem for Snyder was Wilkinson. This is just a follow-up that may be inconclusive in multiple respects. It's the Wilkinson probe that that has all the goods, I think, that would have created a groundswell of public opinion that Snyder has to go. 
I, I, I get you're yeah, I guess I guess I yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to kind of wrap your head around this now I mean what about some of the investigation that's going on about you know the the, the economics of Washington I mean is that is this you know that's another thing right that's coming out here is they going to be able to uh, avoid that if he sells the team I mean that, that's where I find it kind of odd that that story has come out and now we're talking about this too where it just you know conspiracy Chris that's where my mind went here's the other side of it as well the process of buying this team includes a period of what they call the due diligence where you send people in and they review all the books they look at all the liabilities who's inheriting these liabilities well they got some potential civil liabilities if there is evidence that there were security deposits that fans made that weren't refunded that was part of the the information that was in the long letter that went from the House Oversight Committee to the Federal Trade Commission right. and was copied to three state attorneys general. The U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia, federal prosecutor, according to ESPN, now investigating as well. Now, when you open investigation, because I think I saw from the Washington Post, they've talked to one person. They probably talked to the one former employee that lit this fuse in front of the Oversight Committee. And they've got a response. They've got an answer. They've got a lengthy letter explaining why this guy has no credibility. So maybe the prosecutor in the Eastern District of Virginia just talks to the guy and decides there's really nothing here. But that came out yesterday that an investigation has been opened by the federal prosecutor. So you've got the league. You've got the House Oversight Committee. And you know what? By next week at this time, that that investigation may be de facto dead if the Republicans retake the House because they won't care about investigating Dan Snyder and the commanders. You've got three attorneys general at the state level, and now you've got this federal prosecutor. So there's there's a lot of smoke out there and there's so much smoke. I think it's hard to see through it to determine whether or not there is fire. But, man, there's a lot of smoke and there's a lot going on. And, you know, the other potential explanation, Chris, because I've been told for years now that Snyder is digging in because he wants to ultimately give the team to his kids. Right. If I'm his kid, I'm not interested. I Well, I, that's, a, I think, a big part of it. I hear you there. Yeah, right. Might, the kid might be going, damn, Dad, I don't know if I want this and all the scrutiny and everything that goes along with it and, you know, your name along with it. it it's it's going to be there. Uh, I, I hear you there, Mike. I, I could see that. I could see maybe them looking at this whole thing and just going, you know what? It's just not worth it anymore. The hell with it. It's just constant, constant scrut, you know, scrutinization and you know, talking down at, at you know the Dan Snyder, and it's just dysfunctional. And maybe they just have finally gone forget it, and we'd rather not all our dirty laundry get aired out, and let's move on here. I mean, think about it. Snyder hands the team to his kids. The kids, how do they ever, what What can they do to remove that stain? That yeah, is they'd inherent? have to win big time. And and even then, like, I, and I don't even know the kids' names. They've done a good job of keeping the kids out of the public view. Like, I don't know if there's any natural charisma or self-awareness. Maybe there is some self-awareness, and they're saying, we don't want this. We'll just take the money. It is a hell of a return on the investment. $750 million for the team in the stadium in 1999, and now $5 billion for the team in, in 2022. Uh, it's a great return. And the, the numbers keep going up and up and up, but... Uh, if, if that's what he's going to do, and again, it's on the market. And they're also talking about a possible sale of a minority share. Who the hell wants to be partners with Dan Snyder? Unless you would have a path 
to majority ownership. That's kind of how Steve Bishotti got involved with the Ravens. You start off as a minority partner and you end up taking over. There's a clear path for when you acquire. That's how Stephen Ross took over the Dolphins from Wayne Huizenga. That's that's a path in for an owner. So that could be the way. But he's not just selling off minority shares for the fun of it. Nobody will think it's any fun to be the minority partner for Dan Snyder. So I, I, I saw that in the Forbes article that got this all started. See, I'd like to know whether or not they were going to announce this yesterday anyway or whether their hand was forced by an article from Forbes that broke yesterday morning because the statement came not long after that article landed. They either were planning to do it and they gave Forbes a heads up or Forbes did it and they're like, oh, crap, what do we do? Do we lie about it? Do we shut up about it? What do we do? Hey, let's just issue a statement saying that we've retained both of securities to, to look into these possibilities. But the bottom line is the for sale signs in the front yard. The, the day that many Commanders fans had hoped for is coming. And So you, you know, think that it's official? It's that far down the road? You think it's yes, that official? They're, yeah. they're looking yeah. for okay. sell, uh, buyers. They're looking for buyers. And they'll find somebody, whether it's Jeff Bezos, whether it's Josh Harris, who w- would have paid. We reported this. Would have paid $5 billion yeah. for the Broncos right. if he could have gotten it for $5 billion. But his concern was, if I offer $5 billion, the Walmart clan is going to offer five one. If I go to five two, they're going to five three. They're going to keep jumping me. I'm not, and and I may want to buy a team later. Why am I driving up the price of this one if I'm not going to get it? And it's going to make it more expensive to buy another one. Yeah. Because now what we hear is oh four point six five. That's the high water mark. Well, if he had gone to five and Walmart had gone to five one, five one's the high water mark. Yeah. Right. So I think Josh Harris will be in it. There'll be other people out there. Some of some of your neighbors, you know, the Connecticut billionaire hedge fund types that we don't know who they are. Yeah, there's there's plenty all of, of a them. sudden we see this name. Yeah. And remember, remember, really rich guy that no one knows who you are. As a wise man once told me, the only thing better than being rich and famous is, is being rich. Both, yeah, yeah, or yeah, both, right. Now, well, the only thing just that one, I, yeah, don't be fa- don't. It's yeah. better to just anonymously go about being rich because when you become famous by owning a sports team, you could become notorious, just like Dan Snyder did. Yeah, I know. But that's the one thing they can't buy a lot of times too, and this is, helps them buy it is that fame and that notoriety. And so that's that's where I feel like it's it's you know. Uh, Mac Brown used to have Blow a up saying, in your face. Well, yeah, 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 right. But you know, the, the, that's uh, the, and also, yeah. What was think, Mac Brown saying? Well, he used, Tell to, me Mac Brown he used to have a, a saying like, you know, rich, rich people love things they can't buy, right? So that he was always great at having like, you know, gear that they couldn't get, right? And and you know, again, this is not that they can't buy this stuff, but it's rare that it comes available and that you can do it, and then you can also accomplish. Wait, I'm rich but I'm not famous, and now you're both. And, yeah, it might be dangerous and more money, more problems, that type of conversation, but I do think it's, you know, an aspiration of a lot of really rich people. The fact that, you know, they're, they're not noticed in public and all that, I, I think does bother some of those people. One of the most fascinating aspects of going to the league meetings, and I don't know that if you've, if you've witnessed this or not, but they, ha- they always have like a swag room for the billionaire. Yeah. Isn't it amazing right. that the more money you have, the, the more, more free, free crap shit you get? You get. It's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It, it is, yeah. But you'll see multi-billionaire with, with all these bags, like he just went on a shopping spree. At the mall. Right. Walking around with all these bags of free stuff that, of course, you can't buy anywhere. 
And it's just part of the privilege. The more money you get, the more they just want to hand you free. St- it, it is. It's just there's something wrong with it, but that's the way it is. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Grab bag time as we continue our preview of the games pending on the week nine schedule. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What do you think this week, knowing that the players have that bad taste in their mouth against the Rams that that could serve as maybe something that's just added motivation? I think we have a bad taste in our mouth the last three weeks. We don't have time to worry about the bad taste of the Rams. We're trying to win a ball game, and that's all we're worried about. How critical is this week to win? They're all critical, you know. They're all critical. We lost three in a row, like she said, and you got to get the next one in to feel better about yourself. Bucks coach Todd Bowles talking to reporters yesterday. Rams are three and four. Bucks are three and five. The Rams are three and zero oh against the Buccaneers during the Tom Brady era. Regular season win twenty twenty. Regular season win twenty twenty one. Playoff win in twenty twenty one. Up twenty seven three. Tom Brady ties it up, and then Todd Bowles calls for the cover zero, all out blitz, and Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. And next thing you know, the Rams win, and the Bucks are done. Who's more desperate? On Sunday, who's done? Is is either team done if they lose this game, and who needs it more, Chris? Well, I, I you know, I don't know if either team's done, but we're getting close to that. Uh, the, the one reason I, I got to go, I guess if you're going to make me pick one who's more desperate, I'm going to go with the Rams because I think they have less avenues to, to get in the playoffs, right? Where the Bucks, if they drop to three and six, and then Atlanta loses this weekend, and they're four and five. That that's leading the division. Then I'd still go. Well, I think the Bucks are going to probably, you know, beat Atlanta and walk them down, and still win the division that way. So that's where I look at it to go. I think it's more desperate for the Rams because as it sits right now, you got to be scared of the Rams. The Rams got to be scared of you know what you talked about earlier in the show. The NFCs, the Giants hang around here. You know, Seattle continues to play well. So you already got the Rams and the, I mean, the 49ers and the Seahawks in your division who are, I mean, we all know what the 49ers are capable of. And I think the Seahawks, again, are, are going nowhere. Like, they're going to be in this playoff conversation. So, you know, Mike, I, I tend to go with the Rams in this one. What, what about you? I agree with you because of the fact that there's only one, as a practical matter, playoff berth available. Yeah for wild cards in the NFC because the Johnson Cowboys are going to claim two of them. It's getting harder to catch the Seahawks. You've got to deal with the 49ers who swept you, right? So, yeah, it's getting harder for the Rams to get a path to the postseason. They fall to 3-5. and five. It becomes even more difficult. And for the Bucks, boy, you know, yeah, it really hurt the Panthers last week, that ridiculous moment at the end of the game, end of regulation where D.J. Moore scores the touchdown, throws off his helmet, another teammate takes off his helmet, 15-yard penalty, miss the extra point, lose the game. If the Panthers had won that game, they're all 3-5 and five right now in the AFC South, given that the Saints beat the Raiders. And the Bucks would be in great shape. We're 0-0 zero and zero with nine games left. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so they still need to catch the Falcons, and they're confident they will. But you're right, the Falcons could lose this weekend to the Bengals. So a loss by the Bucks really wouldn't hurt. 
other than extending this narrative, they've lost five out of six and three in a row. Right. They lose on Sunday. They've lost six out of seven and four in a row. At what point do your players just kind of lose the wind in their sails yeah. and say, who cares? Do we really want to win the division at seven and ten? Do we re- are we really going to have a chance in the playoffs if we if we slump into the postseason? And, and I think the difference there is Tom Brady because he'll constantly tell them, all we have to do is get in, and I'll take it from there. Yeah, I, I, mean, I hear you there. I do. You know, and, and again, you know, the Rams got issues like we talked about. The Bucks are going to be a little healthier, it seems like, this week. So maybe we get a little bit better picture of what they you know, potentially could be here. Um, but yeah, big game certainly is. And, and the Rams have, they, they definitely Rams are creatively coached. Their defense gives Brady and company issues. It's one of those defensive lines. That's really given them issues just because bucks, their D line big and overpowering. They've had an issue with the speed of the Rams defensive line in those matchups. So they've been able to do that thing we've always talked about, get there with four, and then they do it there in creative ways. They blitz one, they drop one, they blitz two, they drop two, and that's made Brady very jumpy every time he's played them. Um, this will be interesting here because neither team is you know playing at a very high level right now, that's for sure. And the Bucks have the Seahawks in Germany next Sunday. Wow. So uh, they got a couple of tough games before their bye week, and then they have seven games on the back end. We'll see how it continues to go. Bills and the Jets, six and one Buffalo, five and three Jets. Buy or sell? Zach Wilson will redeem himself from his three interception week eight performance. I'm going to buy it. I am. Again, you know, to me the 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 critical nature of Zach Wilson's a little head scratching. It really is. You know, as I display, I know we talked about this last week. It, it's a guy goes four and zero, plays four of the craziest, better defenses in football, and people didn't want to give him credit. Now last week, hey, listen, this interception, I can live with this interception. Mistakes are going to happen. These, this is the one you can't deal with. This is the one where you go, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, just throwing a casual sidearm flip out there? I still don't think McCourty was actually in bounds. But these interception two and three right here, that's like, you know, you you lost sense and became way too much of a gunslinger and got too relaxed out there, and you just can't do that. And he didn't do that the four games prior to that. Now, also, I'll say to this too, Mike, that – like you know they were winning the football game and doing some good things he made some unbelievable throws that's where I want to talk to Jets fans and go listen I know it wasn't perfect but some of the plays and throws he made in that game were like high level unbelievable if I'm grading the game I'm going that's like a double plus on that throw that's a double there's six or seven of those so that's where I always tell the Jet fans like did you you never thought you were going to be five and three and your quarterback who got hurt for the first six weeks of the year, including training camp and all that, is 4-1 and one and done a good job. You know, support him a little bit. It's, it's the weirdest thing here in the New York area, as I discussed with you last week. But the redemption potentially comes against the Bills. That's I know. the problem. It's not like they're getting an easy game this week where he can come out and rebuild his confidence. He's got to go against the Bills. He's going to feel compelled to match Josh Allen. Point for point, touchdown for touchdown, drive after drive. And what I saw yesterday, and he, he or I mean on Sunday, yeah. he, he kind of said this after the game. You know, once he uses his physical skills to extend a play, he wants to make something happen. I he know. doesn't want to just throw it away. Right. 
Well, he's got to learn. He's got to. It's better to throw it away than right. just do that weird, like, what the hell? Let's just wing it and see what happens. When you do that, more often than not, something bad happens, and bad things will happen against the Bills if he tries to do that again on Sunday. No doubt. Uh, he's got to he's got to be, be smarter here. I, I think he will bounce back and make plays and play well. And I don't think that's necessarily going to lead to a win. I'm not saying that. But at least to the point to where we go, well, he wasn't the reason they lost. And again, you know, games like that are going to happen with super talented guys like Zach Wilson. I talked to Josh Allen about this uh, this year when I went up to to visit him. I talked about him. When was the moment you realized you had to reel it in and like, whoa, I can't do some of the stuff I used to do. He talked about it was year two against New England. And he went, okay, I got to start, you know, trusting my team and the offense and stop trying to make things happen. And, uh, you know, this is one where, yes, Zach made some of the most unbelievable escapes. He's incredibly athletic. But, yeah, sometimes you can escape and you still got to throw it away. You can't just think it's automatically you're going to make magic happen. And he fell into that trap last week. Coach Robert Saul has made it clear. GM Joe Douglas has made it clear. Zach Wilson is their guy. He's not going anywhere. And we could see maybe year three is when he takes off the way that Josh Allen did. Jets fans, embrace it. Don't push back against it. You may have a potentially special quarterback. Don't let one game ruin your opinion of the guy. All right, yeah. Seahawks and the Cardinals. Seahawks are 5-3. and three. Cardinals are 3-5. and five. Buy or sell. If the Cardinals get this win, there's still hope they can turn their season around. I think it's a big if if they get the win, but they're favored by two points. So I'm having a... I'm having a flash forward to our picks podcast and the idea that the Cardinals are somehow two-point favorites against the Seahawks. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm a little surprised by that, too. I am. But, I mean, I, I will buy to say they, they still, still hope to turn their season around if they get this win. You know, again, I, I think we could talk about three and six in this division. You know, they're, they're in big trouble, certainly. But, you know, again, I think if they win this, go to four and five, their defense, we've seen, has the ability to make plays. Their offense has definitely been better since DeAndre Hopkins is back. I mean, he's, he's definitely changed their attack a little bit. So, yeah, there's hope. But, you know, that, that's about as far as I'm going. I'm not going to go, oh, well, yeah, I'm sold. They won this week. Watch out. There's so many things to like about their team, and they've just been unlucky so far. No, not, not at all. It's like, yeah, there's hope, and then we got to continue to see, you know, hope build upon as the weeks go on here to, to think that they legitimately can be a playoff football team. Even though they lost to the Vikings on Sunday, there is a silver lining because Zadarius Smith told me after the game, because I asked him, you know, how much did this mean to Patrick Peterson and Jordan Hicks, a couple of former Cardinals? And Zadarius said the night before the game, they explained to their teammates, if you just come out and get on top of the Cardinals early, they'll fall apart. Well, they didn't. The Vikings were up 14-3, and they didn't fall apart. So maybe the wiring is changing. And maybe this team isn't going to give up and they're going to keep pushing and they're going to keep fighting. Now, the Vikings also blow a lead against pretty much everyone, but maybe the Cardinals are finding something. And this would be a great way for them to inject themselves back into the conversation. They're getting closer and closer to falling out of contention. They are at three and five. You know, we felt good about them when they beat. The Saints say maybe they're back and then, oh, wait a minute, maybe they're not. And they're they're kind of all over the place this year. But. Big difference between four and five and three and six. We say that every week about, but there is, it's a, it's a, and especially in the division against the division leader, it's a two game swing. 
they're going to be six and three, and you're going to be three and six, or they're going to be five and four, and you're going to be four and five. It's a huge difference. Yeah, well, of course. And they, they still got the 49ers twice on the schedule. They still got the Rams. You know, they got New England Patriots, the Bucks. They're all on the schedule still. So they got a tough road ahead still. So, yeah, these are games where Seattle's good, no doubt about it. We're not sold they're dominant. You, you got to steal this game here to give yourself a fighting chance. We'll see. I mean, they only played three weeks ago, and they couldn't do Jack Diddley squat on the offensive side of the ball. If you remember, right, Mike, the only touchdown they scored was because the punter, I, you know, that was in that little weird time of, you know, uh, the, the Seahawks punter seemed like he wanted to take over games against the Saints, and, the, and he had the punt blocked in the end zone, and Arizona picked it up in, for a touchdown. But other than that, they couldn't do anything. So uh, that'll be interesting, too, to see where their offense goes and if they can move the ball with DeAndre Hopkins, who they didn't have the first time they played. That's the key difference. He was phenomenal. Targeted 13 times, 12 catches over 150 yards against the Vikings. He's the difference maker if they are going to find a way to win this game. Titans at the Chiefs. Both teams are 5-2. and two. Sunday night football. But the Chiefs are 12.5-point favorites. I can't remember a time where you've had two teams with really good records, and one is that big. I'm sure it's happened. I just can't remember it, you know, because my brain is starting to betray me. But the Titans are steep underdogs. Fill in the blank for me, Chris. The Titans can keep this game close if they what? Well, we know what this is. I mean, we know, right? I mean, it, it's it's pretty, I think, apparent with this one. If they can run the ball and chew up clock, I, I think that's what they're going to look to do in this one. This is going to be old school for sure. Uh, the, the Titans defense is getting better. There's no doubt about that. They're awesome against the run. But, of course, you know, this, is a, this ain't a running football team. They can run it more than they used to, so they got to respect it as far as Kansas City's offense. But, you know, yeah, they got, they got a tough challenge ahead. Uh, they haven't been great against the pass this year. Uh, we'll see, though. They are healthy on the back end there, and I, I think they can give them some problems. But, yeah, I think their offense is the key to the game. I mean, we know that them scoring points is is a challenge, and Derrick Henry is certainly the driving force, and they got to keep him on the field and first downs and chew up clock. I, I got to think to think that they're going to win this football game or even keep it close, really. Well, and that's the key. Keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Get him frustrated when he's out there. It's a formula that comes up all the time. When you're talking about a great offense, the less it's on the field, the better the chance you have of keeping it from doing the things that make it great. And Derrick Henry, hey, we just – how have we kind of gotten to the point where we're, we're bored with or we just take for granted and we don't factor in the greatness of Derrick Henry – Remember when they were getting ready to play in the postseason? It's like, well, how are they going to stop Derrick Henry? What are they going to do? What is the what is the formula here? I mean, the the, the Titans had him on the ropes that year. They, they, Derrick Henry was unstoppable, and he was unstoppable by the Texans. And maybe just people look at it and say, well, it's the Texans, and they're not very good. But if Derrick Henry runs like he did on Sunday, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's going to be hard to cover the number. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, it will be. Half. No, you're right. That that that's the big thing. Now, the one thing I'll say, even in those matchups we talked about, you know, last year Derrick Henry had his way against the defense against Kansas City's defense. Remember, Kansas City was struggling, and I think that it was a loss that maybe brought them to four and four last year. It was the game where Patrick Mahomes and you were just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's wrong with him. It says there's people open everywhere. He's not seeing them. He's leaving the pocket. 
But, you know, you go back to the AFC Championship game, and the Chiefs did a pretty good job of stopping Derrick Henry. Traditionally, the Chiefs have been able to stop these type of teams and not let them run roughshod all over them, especially when it's a team where there's not a great passing attack where they have to worry about. That's where Spagnolo, I think, is very creative, and he'll he'll come up with ways to to slow the run game down. And there's still a, a, a physicality element that we all don't give the Chiefs credit for because they're sexy and they throw the ball and do that. But there's very few games I can remember in the last five years where I go, ooh, that team out hit the Chiefs. The Chiefs bring it. Uh, and it'll be fun to watch this game on Sunday night. This is, this is a good one. I think it's going to have a lot of say of what happens here in the AFC. It makes me proud in a weird sort of way that over time – We've ironed out the Simsisms, and and you've learned, you've grown. I've gotten shot. there. I'm there was a there. time, there was a time when you not only accidentally said it, you doubled down and tripled down by insisting that the term is rough shop. Not so, rough it still shop. sounds better. I mean, I don't know what the hell a shot is, and you know, it's one of those where it's you know. Yeah, rough shop. You're in the shop, and you're getting rough, and things are getting messy. That's where it just made sense to me. You know, here's, here's another one I had, you know, this week, and it, it kind of just fell into it. I was talking about Christian McCaffrey being the decoy, the decoy, the decoy, and then I was like, then you got to worry about him being the main coy. That was one I dropped on the podcast That's the other good. day. I kind of like That's that. Good. You like that? Decoy, yeah. main coy? I think that one works. That's a, it's one of my favorites so far. <laughs> Now, had you ever done that before? No, it, that was it. it I couldn't, up I out couldn't of ground quite like think of it. Oil in Jed Clamp's exactly backyard. right. It was just black tea, to, you know, or Texas tea, black gold, whatever they say there. Yeah, but I just, I was like, wait, decoy, and I couldn't think of what I wanted to say to make him the main guy, and I was like, oh, main coy, and uh, just naturally happened there. It's my big brain working for me again. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, like so many other pro athletes, ignores what people say. And then every once in a while, we find out that he's very well aware of what the people that he claims to ignore have to say about him. We'll, we'll let you hear what he had to say yesterday when PFT Live continues right after this. Where do you think you've grown the most, and where do you want to see yourself grow more in the second half of the structure? Um... Boy, I think I've uh, grown a lot with the deep balls, huh? Don't we think? Yeah. That was a, probably a subtle jab, but it was a jab. I, I will say we are very, very happy with how he was playing and what he's done for us. Um, it's been really exciting to watch him you know, blossom on and off the field. Uh, he does so much work here behind the scenes that people don't see. Uh, in terms of all the stuff to prepare to make himself take that leap. And, he's, and him and Mike, the work, their uh, their connection is really special. I think you guys kind of feel it being around them. And uh, it's been really fun watching them. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, that's why we drafted them where he did, we believe. And, and so we're very, very happy. That was Chris Greer, the GM of the Dolphins. Maybe I am getting old. I couldn't hear what he was saying over that music. Hey, kids, turn the music down. I couldn't hear what he was saying. I did hear what Tua said before that, though. And Salty Tua was trending at some point yesterday because he did have that little edge. I don't know that he delivered it the right way. Yeah, that was a jab. That was a slight jab. That was a jab. Talking about 
his deep ball because he's keenly aware, even though he would say and has said he pays attention to none of the noise that's out there. He was aware that the noise was he can't throw the deep ball. And you know what? He still kind of can't throw it the way he needs to. He underthrows Tyreek Hill. The only reason he's connecting on some of them is because it's Tyreek Hill. Well, yeah, now, wide open, we're not, right. we're not, we're not saying it's a pop gun arm, yeah. but he's underthrowing Tyreek Hill. He's not overthrowing him. He's not hitting him in stride. He's underthrowing him. No, well, yeah. He, listen, he's done a, some big things this year, and it's an area that we needed to see improvement, and we saw improvement. Now, you know, plays like this right here against Baltimore, I mean, I'm not going to go, oh, the deep ball got better. There's nobody in the screen covering him. But he's made definitely more throws like that you see right there into tight windows. But here, I mean, this is a walk-in touchdown. It's it's underthrown. It should be walk-in, like no no problem, right? You know, here's another one. It's another one. It's a walk-in touchdown. I mean, you, all you got to do is I can't remember who was announcing this game, but they were literally like, Tua underthrew the deep ball again. Oh, too tired. That, that's what they talked about. But it, it's okay. That's all right. You know, again, that's not what he is. And he is a wheeler and a dealer and a point card. And his ability to get the ball out of his hand quickly and accurately is elite. And now he's in an offense that, you know, like we talk about with a lot of quarterbacks in football, they built it around him. The system makes sense. They've accentuated the things that he's really good at. And they are tactical about the things that he's bad at, which is the deep shots or the power throws to the outside and that. They, they know when to kind of take those chances. So it's all been good. There's no doubt. But, again, he's got the best dual receivers in football around him and an offensive coordinator that has formulated an offense that is right in his wheelhouse, and he's taken advantage of it, and good for him. That's for sure. I, I think he's been playing great. Yeah. We are Tua fans. You know, people think we hate Tua just because we dared to point out where the deficiencies were. I mean, that's kind of what we do. I constantly not- get it. Yeah. We're we're not going to say everything is fine when it's not, and we're not going to say he's thrown the prettiest deep ball we've ever seen when you see guys stopping to wait for the ball to arrive. Even the Ravens one, where you know he hits Tyree Kill kind of in stride, you still see Tyree Kill yeah, slow stop. his right. his rate to get, to make it something that he catches in stride. You see him slow down. He never has to speed up to go get it, and he never keeps running at full speed. So. That is an issue. It is a problem. They'd be even better if he could hit those guys in stride and turn those those walk-in touchdowns into walk-in touchdowns and not just long gains that, that still require you to go another 20, 30, or 40 yards. So, um, you know, they, these are fair criticisms. And the Dolphins are really good this year. Their fans should be happy. That's the one thing that that just drives me crazy. And maybe it reveals character. They say sports doesn't build character. It reveals character. Like, you know, your team's doing well, and instead of just enjoying that, you want to go around and stick your finger in people's faces. And and it's kind of like the season isn't over yet. Like, I would wait f- until you win the Super Bowl for that because there's a chance it's all going to come crashing down on your head at some point. So spare me the in-your-face nonsense until you have something that is shiny and silver that you can literally stick in our face. Well, it, it is weird. Like, I like the Miami Dolphins. I do think the hype around them is a little too much. You know, I, I just – I see people on TV just – they got Bradley Chubb and they're going to the Super Bowl. It's like they – oh, now it's a win, it's a win, it's a win. They don't lose again the rest of the year just because they got Bradley Chubb. Uh, the defense has not been what we thought, right? You know, even – again, 
I know they have three losses, and those were games without Tua and all that, but the Pittsburgh game itself, I mean, that was another one where things stalled out. Last week against the Lions, being down 27-17. to 17. You know, the Bills game, It's yeah, they won it, but I don't think there's anybody that watched that game that didn't think they were outplayed and just got a few breaks and things go their way, let alone there was 11 starters missing on Buffalo's team that day. You know, the Ravens game, uh, it's another one where you go, I don't know if the Ravens make those mistakes now. They're not going to not cover him down the middle of the field and mess the check up and do that stuff. So that's where it's like, yes, they're good, but I guess there's a part of me that still is like, eh, I'm not sure how good they are. They're dangerous. I know that. But there, there is a part of me that's just like, are they, are they really good and dominant or are they just exciting and fun? And I don't know, when they play the more of the elite teams in football, will we see the real character or the, real, the true product on the field? I, I guess I still have some of those questions. Let's take a break. We'll do a little In Case You Missed It Celebration Edition next. Then after that, our Week 9 matchup draft. All that and more to come on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Oh, let's have a little fun in case you missed it. Some celebrations from week eight. We take it to Detroit. Back when things were going well for the Lions, Jamal Williams scores the touchdown. And, uh, oh, now he's being real. Oh, he's fishing. He's the fish. He's the big fish. Put him in the boat. Just don't gut him. Please don't gut him. Here are the Eagles. Uh, what is this? This is a. Is this I don't know. It's this drumline celebration. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Drum but line. it was fun to watch. Drumline, I think. How uh, about this? How yeah. about this? This was called as taunting. It's not taunting. It's just pointing out two guys covering me, and I scored a touchdown. Uh, How's that taunting? That's questionable. Cowboys, Bears. Both teams wearing non-white jerseys. Oh, now we're odd. roping up the hog. Here's okay, even odd. I got you. Right. Roping the calf. Oh, now, Patrick that. Peterson gives it to Kyler Murray twice. <laughs> there's the call of duty, and there's Namaste oh, with the big man. smile. Big Take shot. that. Shot smile. K1. Wow. Jared Allen with his horse. The horse was doing things horses do on the field. Darius Smith told me he could smell it in the third quarter. Yeah. I can smell what J.J. Watt's cooking here. Now, he does the Jared Allen celebration. Hey, hey, JJ, it wasn't your team. Zadari Smith did it earlier in the game. Hey, JJ, get off my lawn. He's allowed to. You get off his lawn. He's a Hall of Famer. You get off his lawn. Do you remember, like, the first time you had to actually, in any setting, look into a camera and talk and make sense? Do you remember that? Yeah, definitely. No question. I mean, it happened to me a few times just as as a kid growing up. And I remember it's being true. when you were on with Regis Philbin. Right, right. Phil, thank you very much for joining us out there. We're joined now by Phil's wife, Diana, and uh, their son, Christopher, who is four years old. No. And your dad was afraid you were going to drop an F bomb. I was, I was throwing F bombs around everywhere in the house, so he was afraid that he was going to go on TV and do the same damn thing. Yeah, he was kind of leaning over the whole day because he was worried about he was going to put his hand over my mouth in case one of those words came out. What are we going to serve Christopher? Cookie. <laughs> Cookie. Oh, gosh, the, the good old days. <laughs> 
That's pretty good. I think that was some unnecessary censorship there, but it made it even better. You were cute. What happened? I don't know what happened. I don't know. You know, I was uh, the blondest kid ever. I mean, I guess, you know, when, when your dad's name growing up in Kentucky was Whitey, I guess you expect your hair to be white, too. So, yes, I had some uh, white hair at that age. I don't have it anymore. I don't. You know, my kids are amazed when they look at old pictures. They're like, oh, my gosh, your hair, Dad. And I know, yeah, it is kind of impressive when I look at it. <laughs> you, you still had a giant, massive head, though, at age four. I did. There's yeah. no doubt about that. No doubt. Frankenstein. Big noggin. No... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Matchup draft for week nine. Oh, 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 it's happening. Oh, yeah, well, well, no, we don't get to it. We, it's, it's, the reason we show that is because it's a very special day Big in day. the Sims household, Chris. Big Go. day. Big Phil. Big Phil's birthday today. That's right. Philip Martin Sims. The initials of PMS. Yes, they uh, today he is 67. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just can't believe my dad is 67. It really is crazy uh, it just, just to hear that number. He's uh, an awesome dad. He really is as good as you could ask for, you know, as far as his son. And, you know, I mean, gosh, what dad can have legs like that right there? I mean, he just the dedication, what he does and everything. But, no, in all seriousness, he really is awesome. And happy birthday to Big Phil. He's one of those. He's one of those NFL quarterbacks where, when you see him in person, you realize that he just came down a beanstalk. He's a giant. I'm amazed he can still walk, Chris. When you consider the era he played in, the quality of the field they played on, that he can still do pull-ups, that he's still physically fit and active. And I know he's got some long-term issues, but. You know, I mean, you know, like just the aches of the orthopedic stuff. But look at that. He's there he goes. He's country strong. And this was, this was, I think, two, three years ago. So he's 64 or 65 here. And he told Ray Lewis, I can do 20 pull-ups in one sitting, like in one set. And Ray, of course, is like, oh, you're full of it, Phil. You're full of it, Phil. Because, you know, the Sims, we do have big mouths. And they waited to the end of the year. And you see the big guy here at 64 years old doing 20 Pull-ups in one setting is uh, pretty insane. But he is a, he is the definition of country strong. That's what he is. It's just amazing. <laughs> Again, I see the highlights from when he played. The guys he had to deal with, we've talked about it. The Reggie Whites of the world just getting mashed into the turf and still going strong at 67. So happy birthday, Phil. Thanks for giving us Christopher, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. But that, look at that. Look at that. Ends, too, with him him crapping on the Vikings. That's perfect. Look at oh, that. I remember it's that in nice. 1986. That yep. was a fourth down play. That right. was a game where I actually thought the Vikings had hope that year, but the Giants go on to win the Super Bowl in 86, and uh, Phil was the MVP. Still has the record for passing accuracy in a Super Bowl, although you broke it. In Minnesota, yeah, one my one, one on the field a few <laughs> right. years ago. Right. Uh, all right. Matchup draft now. Well, who you got? Week nine. Any matchup? Anything that attracts your attention? Go. Well, I, I think I'm going to go right to the Rams Bucks game and just the the Bucks O line and the Rams D line. It's it's a matchup that the Rams D line has gotten the best of the Bucks here, and they're you know the, like you said earlier in the show the three previous meetings with with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers where they have not been able to handle the speed and really the ferociousness of that Rams front. And now, of course, we don't have the same Bucks all line. So I just look at that and just go, that's going to be a huge part of the game. If they can't at least, you know, manage it to the point where Brady has a little time and they can run the ball a little bit, 
they're going to get beat by the Rams for sure. So I, I look at that matchup as to be crucial for that game right there. He left after the 2017 season, but this is the first time Kirk Cousins is going back to FedEx Field to play the Commanders. He's faced the team in the past in Minnesota, but he's going back to FedEx Field. So I don't know. This is Kirk Cousins against, I don't know, I guess the Commanders' defense, but it's a compelling matchup, and it's also the last manageable game for the Vikings for a while. They've made their living this year beating teams that they should have beaten barely with some sort of heroics in the fourth quarter. After this one, it's Bills, Cowboys, Patriots. It's going to get difficult after this one. And also, Chris, this is their last outdoor game for six straight weeks. And I think five of them are at home and one is or four of them are at home. They've got a buy. They had their buy. It's something I, I had the formula all figured out in my head and I messed it up. But they have a bunch of games at home and at Detroit. They don't go back outdoors again for a while. I don't think until other than, uh, you know, they go to Buffalo. Never mind. Whatever formula I, have, I keep forgetting they play Buffalo away. I had a really great stat that I've completely screwed up. Well, do you so want me to look up your schedule two. so you can get no, on track I'll do here? it while you. I'll do it while you give me your second round of your matchup draft pick. Okay. All right. Well, I I, I think the the one I look forward or or look to here just because there's you know a lot of scrutiny around this conversation at all. Well, I'm going to go with Josh Allen versus the Jets D. Josh Allen versus Robert Sala. Uh, because I just think the Jets' defense, they got to slow down the Bills to a degree. They can't expect that you know, the, that the, the Jets' offense is going to go out and score 30 against this Bills' defense. So they're going to have to be special in this matchup as far as the pass rush, tactical when they blitz, you know, tactical when you play man-to-man, but it's the hottest quarterback in the game. And they're dangerous, I feel like, Mike, because we talk about this a lot. They won, but they were underwhelming last week. And that's always scary to me when you're a good team because they're going to – it's almost a, like a loss in the building. It didn't meet the standard. They're going to be pissed off even though they won by 10 last week because they probably should have won by 20 or 30, really. And that's where it's scary. But this Jets D, this is a legit – Big-time test for them, and it's going to be on them to keep them in the football game. All right, I refreshed my memory. Yeah. The Vikings have six straight indoor games, and five of the six are indeed at home. I mean, think about that. The Vikings have a tremendous home field advantage. Five of six games at home, and the only road game is at Detroit. They don't go outdoors again until week 17 and week 18 when they go to Green Bay and Chicago, which is not going to be ideal circumstances in January. But uh, the Vikings, once they get past the Commanders and the Bills, things are going to be set up for them to continue what they've started the season with. I'm going to go Patriots defense slash Bill Belichick against Colts offense because the Colts offense is currently in shambles. Jonathan Taylor's hurt again. Sam Ellinger's the quarterback. Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, was fired. Are you kidding me? Uh, and, and, you know, this was not long ago, a very bitter rivalry with Deflategate and all of that, but... Uh, it's going to be a long day for the Colts and Frank Reich. And we know that Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator. The Eagles beat Bill Belichick a few years ago in that Super Bowl where Chris was one for one on the field pregame. But, boy, this, this just sets up to be a long day for the Colts. As their season goes out of control, here comes Belichick 
with an offense that is in tatters right now for the Colts. Yeah, it, it is. It's you know, Ellinger kind of came alive as the game went along a little bit. Uh, the, I I think they're. It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to approach offense with Ellinger at quarterback. Uh, again, he's athletic. He can run a little bit. You know, he. It, it seemed like they they want to play, control the run game a little bit, move him a little bit. He'll take a shot down the field from time to time. But, yeah, I don't know if you look at it right now to your point to where you go it's an advanced enough formula or they're good enough at it to move the ball against a very good Patriot defense. It seems like it's pretty simple and it's not overwhelming with physical talent. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That, I can see that game being a kind of a defensive struggle for sure. All right, let's go ahead and do round three here. What do you got next? Oh, okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Derrick Henry versus that Chiefs run defense. The Chiefs run defense is one of the better ones in football. If I remember correctly, it's it's in the top five. It's right in that range. Now I don't know if it's legitimately in the top five because, of course, a lot of the times the Chiefs jump out to a lead and force teams to throw the football, and they can play that way. So that's where I look at it to be interesting. You know, and again, if Derrick Henry and company can run the ball and chew up the clock, I think they can make things interesting. Vrabel and company, we know their game plan specific. They'll do some things outside the box to maybe stop the Chiefs offense. So that's one I look at to go, if the Chiefs continue statistically how they look and are dominant there, then the Titans have no chance. But if Henry and company kind of get going, that's going to open up a few easy play-action passes for whoever's at quarterback. I think it's going to be Tannehill. And I think that game could end up being you know pretty close or closer than we expect. You know, I keep scrolling up and down this week's schedule looking for something to jump There's not out. a lot One of sexy things, why. right? Well, because there's six teams that are off this yeah, week. Right. Six teams. And how do so, we still uh, have the, eight the, games at 1 o'clock? That's where I'm so disappointed, too. It's just I hate that. I'll go to Monday night. I'll say uh, yeah. the Greg Roman Ravens offense versus Dennis Allen and a Saints defense that just pitched a shutout. Because this is a game the Saints really need if they want to stay in that fight for the NFC South crown. Uh, now, now again, you can fall to three and six and still be alive. But they need to show that last week wasn't a fluke with that Saints defense. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.